Today, we're sitting down with designer and mentor Veronica Solomon of Casa Valora Interiors. Veronica shares how she's adapted her service offerings to meet clients where they're at with their budgets. She reminds us that we can design our business however we want. She also gives her advice on a listener question about seeing an increase in tire kicking from potential clients lately. Let's go. And I'm Sean of Rensted Interiors. We're interior designers, turned internet friends, turned real life friends. Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. We're not that hot or that young. Every week, we'll be spilling the tea on how a new generation of interior designers can run their businesses. Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. Hey, Sean. What's up, Rebecca? Just another day in paradise. Live in a dream. <laughs> yeah, really, really feels like that sometimes. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy that it's fall and I put on slippers this morning, which felt Ooh. very luxurious. <laughs> this California yeah, lifestyle. For real, it's almost time to start breaking out like my... I call it my morning hoodie. Like when I wake up as I'm like doing my thing in the morning, I have a little hoodie that I wear around the house. And and you're like, white cardigan, I miss your little shawl. Yeah, I don't have my like chunky cardigan to wear at my desk. You know, like it gets cold sitting (laughs) still at our desk a lot. Your desk sweater. My desk sweater. I do feel like that's kind of my Mr. Rogers thing is like sit at my desk. I know my arms are going to get cold. Because, you know, the air is cooler. And I mean, also, I'm not, I have a heater. It's not like our house isn't no, heated, but, but there's that chill in the air. And it, like, it just feels like a hug. Like, yeah, I'm here for yeah. it. So I'm ready for that. I'm ready for, I'm ready for it to be, oh, this, we don't have to get totally into this. And this is not what our show is about. But we have these um, thin heater pads that go underneath our carpets. And we leave them oh. there all the time, but it's like, it's a really thin I've heard like, of fabric thing and it just has a coil uh-huh. and it's and safe to be on like tile or wood or whatever. I've heard of those and they like heat the whole room, right? Kind of? Yeah. It helps like radiate. I mean, we don't have heated floors, but it's nice in, you. we have ours set to a little timer. We of course have not been running them at all, but we can set them to a timer. So in the morning, like in the living room when we're sitting and- mm eating breakfast or having coffee, you can set it to turn on at like 6.30 so it can start warming up and the carpet's nice and warm and it's, and the dogs love laying on it because it's warm too. (laughs) On their old bones. I know, exactly. So that's kind of like, I love that stuff. I can't wait for that. It's still not quite, it was was like 92 this week. I know, it's still... I could do without the PSLs. Like, I do not care about that. But I just, yeah, I'm just here for the cozy. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of, should we hop into fizzles and sizzles? Let's do it. My sizzle. I don't know. I've had a lot of, like, kind of fun stuff happen this week. But since it's fresh in my mind, last night I started watching Emily in Paris. I saw that? the preview. 
I mean, it's kind of like a chick show. I don't know. You might like it. You, you'll like the Paris part of it, but. Okay. Is it like Ugly Betty meets, but she's not, but it's like, I feel like it has that energy. Mm, yeah. Like kind of. Fun, playful. Nemesis. Yeah. It's like a little bit sex in the city without so much of the sex. A little bit of Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. And like. It reminds me of, well, Darren Stars, the producer, creator, but he, um, it's also like Paris is like one of the main like components of it, like a character in it. Um, so it's definitely like going to give you like wanderlust <laughs> vibes. Uh. And the um, costume is beautiful and She's like a millennial kind of influencer type. So it's kind of funny, like the Instagram angle of it. Okay. And all the French men are like super gorgeous and I don't know, everything about it. Yeah, it's just like total eye candy, like the whole thing. Once a week, I say to Sean, I miss Paris. Like, oh, it's kind it of never, like, I never, really I never, you sad. It's, I, I <laughs> am like, if I'm trying to buy something from the bakery and nothing is like nothing compares to a Parisian bakery or, you know, you see like a garden and you're like, oh, that kind of reminds me of that. Like, it's one of those cities that you always think of once you've been Because it's so specific. Yeah. So it's definitely like Paris is a major character in it and they, they like hit all of the things that like, you know, and love about Paris. Like... Sure, they got some good tax credits to film there. Oh, probably. (laughs) Dog shit on the street. Every part Uh, of it is like... Ah, Paris. Gay Paris. (laughs) Um, It's cute. So that was a cute little sizzle. It's making me happy um, and sad. But And then fizzle... Uh, I thought like we were getting like kind of over it, but it just seems like the back orders and the things taking forever, it's getting worse. I don't know. I keep, I keep thinking like we're going to get over the hump, but no, no, the supply chain is whack. So, and just like stuff getting through the ports is delayed. There's still delays in manufacturing overseas. There's still delays in manufacturing here. Like, Yeah, it's definitely, like, I thought we were just getting the delays that overseas had earlier in the year and late last year, but it's still happening. And I guess because, like, Mm -hmm. back orders are now going into end of December, which means they're not on a boat yet, so. Oh, no. There, uh, this is, I feel gonna, I think this is, I think we should be preparing ourselves that this is into next year, like into this time next year, a whole year away. Right. So I've just got to like kind of work on my client communications spiel with it. Um, because clients, like we've talked about it a little bit, like they're picking up like they so many people are investing in their homes right now Mm -hmm. so it's like I almost want to make like a document about it like just start here I mean we can only do what we can do and so many things are out of our control and I still recommend placing the orders because you got to get yours you got to get in line but 
Yeah. Just know I mean, that things are going to sacrifice. It's just going to be a sacrifice. And, and the design is going to suffer a lot if you, if you're making a lot of decisions based on what's available, it really starts to limit right. what's possible with the design. You're, you're not going to get as far with it. It's not going to be what you expected. And that's and, what I really want to warn against for clients. And Don't. I'm finding, so I guess like to add to that, like I'm finding the rug, the rug is getting pulled out from even those. So like I've had uh-huh. an instance or two and I've talked to other designers who we order things based on them being in stock and then we hear that they're not. So that's real. That's a real tough sell to clients when you kind of promise something and then have to take it away. So and there's it's, just so many moving targets and like, yeah. Well, and projects are going to go on so much longer than we really wanted them to. Right. Like, Leading Whether into the client's that. fine or not. Yeah, like I have a client that we ordered two additional chairs. They already have six of them in their dining room and they're fine. But she wants two more. So it's like this back order keeps getting pushed. It started, I think, in March or April. Now we're at the end of December, they told me. And who even knows? And I can't reselect. Like they're the same. They need the same chairs. Yeah, they already have them. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's getting really where at first people were like, oh, I get it. It's fine. Like there's a lot going on, but now people are getting so far removed, like clients are getting removed from expecting things that they're just like, well, why doesn't everyone just have their shit together now? And you're like, hold on. You'd have no idea like what shutting the world down for that amount of time did. It didn't just delay it by, you know, the lockdown period. It, it tripled that. Like we're still not anywhere near I know. And I guess I just want more information. Like, why is this happening? I guess would feel better, you know, like more specifics. Um, It would help if the vendors could say, this is what's going on with this item. Yeah. So like, I can just feel a little bit more educated and not just like a dumbass who keeps screwing up. Like, you know, we're definitely the messenger here. Yeah. Like I ran into a designer last week who was telling me she... I won't name the tile company, but she had ordered, you know, gotten approval, made sure it was in stock, ordered tile for a bathroom. Two days later, they told her it was in stock. Two days later, the company said, actually, it's on back order. God. So she reselected, which meant she had to redesign the entire room because uh-uh. now she needed a different, she needed a different countertop. So everything kind of no. shuffled around. Made sure it was in stock before she presented to the client, got approval. Exact same thing. Two days later, they told her, actually, our system was inaccurate. No. Like. <laughs> it's taking on. so much time. And like, so the client's probably paying for that time and frustration. I think well, she yeah, just ended you're... up going to a different company, but it's like, come on. Yeah, you've got to get your platform. Your Your platform needs to be up to date and that's i mean that's oh okay so good and bad accurate information like even if it's bad like it has to be accurate as to the best of your ability like it needs to be we can't we can't work like this 
it's so just that's not just gonna work. freaking me out because it's not just furniture it's like all materials so it's like everything is just like shit just flipped up in the air and it's still not landed i i don't love that um i would say i i would say i'm sorry but i feel like we're all going through it and so i feel like we're all just jumping in the lifeboat together which is really sad i know Um, someone needs to do like a there is no solution on it we need to feel i just want to share a link well and it's not my fault well send them to the podcast I don't know. Like in that in that vein, I'm really worried about that because I'm I'm like bringing on proposals and things for projects, and I know that there's going to be some really long leads on this. So I'm trying to like fizzle for me is I over the over the last few days have come to terms with the fact that I'm really going to have to push out leads and start times on projects and really like double up my buffers instead of disappointing people is I have to I mean in between the planning stages the concept stages like those I'm still going to need more time and then the procurement stage and actual recommendations like it's just going to keep getting longer and so I'm I have some things that I'm pulling for projects right now. And I'm like, oh, we're still like three weeks out from a presentation. Like all of this could be for nothing. Right. That's the scary part. And I want to be cognizant of how clients spend their money, but I do need to make sure that they're aware that there are big delays. And maybe I need to, maybe I need to format some messaging and like load it into my proposal process at this point Mm -hmm. because this is going to go on for a while of yeah like i'm thinking like a red a red box of like warning here's what here's what everything looks like in covid like make sure they know that this is like a specific time frame item of here's here's what we have already seen and i want you to be aware and if this concerns you this unknown factor you need to talk to me now because we there may be no way around it and i'd rather we be completely upfront with it and give them like what are some worst case scenarios i ordered some tile and it didn't get here for six months i ordered two extra chairs for a client and they're still on they're still being produced overseas and not going to be delivered for nine months like that, that i feel like that would be okay to share yeah and some options are doing partial installs like it's not what we love to do but if it gets them a place to sit down it might just need to be that so yeah i mean partial i feel like partial install is definitely going to be a big thing um especially as like we can you can gather enough stuff and hopefully they're not paying storage you know, at the receiving just risky too long. because like that whole concept of one item looking really out of place and then certain clients overthinking know, and questioning and not liking and yeah. I mean so, that that goes scary. back to the you already bought it. It can't be returned. You need to wait for everything to be seen together. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really hard to say it 
And it still doesn't, like, I still have clients who doubt things like that. So, so I, I think it's I know like, what that's like too. us being just savvy about what's a risky thing to partially install, like two leather hold- chairs or whatever. Sure. They'll not question those. So, but, yeah. be but like hang, maybe hang on to the funky rug. ottoman. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Hang on to that stuff. I'm so, I mean, it seems like that's just going to be a new normal, um, my good news doesn't feel as good by comparison to that, but I'm still happy about it. I um, I don't know if anybody else has this problem, but I use um, my business PayPal account to accept payments through a couple platforms and they don't have this option on their website. Like there's no easy way to do this, which is the unfortunate part, but I was able to set up auto sweep with my business PayPal which means that every time payments come in by the next business day, it automatically sweeps the balance into my business checking account now. Okay. Is that so part of PayPal? I don't, yeah, it's part of PayPal business and you have to set it up with them. Um, I don't know exactly like what their approval process is, but I, it, they make it so impossible to talk to anybody. So I had to talk to a chat agent and it's you have to wait for them to reply because of course none of their people are working like in at desks or things like that so one time i got a response back in an hour and then i replied back with another question and then they had to reply back with their answer and they they have to activate something on their side so don't go in thinking it's going to be like a quick call or a chat and then it'll just be done it took a little back and forth, but my main goal was to not have to remember to go into the PayPal business platform and transfer over balances because yeah. that was making me annoyed. And it takes time every time you do it and you're wondering where's that money and, you know, or, I want to- sometimes it's like, surprise, you have money. Like, <laughs> yeah, just and like, like finding oh, snap, a like, dollar in your pocket. <laughs> and and that part is kind of cool. But I also just, but it's so much, business. it's annoying. Yeah. And I want to yeah. be able to apply. I apply the retainer once it's received to the client's portal. And so I want to know that, okay, they did pay, it's done. And part of it being done is making sure it's in the bank account. So setting up the auto sweep, for my business PayPal account is going to save me a lot of time, annoyance. And it's just one of those little things that I don't have to worry about anymore. And I'm completely here for that. Um, in the world we live in right now, like if I can get rid of any little annoyances, I'm here for it. Yeah. So. That's sizzly. That That's money. Yeah. I mean, the money was there, but now it's where I need it to be. And it also makes my bookkeeper happier too, because she's not going, where is that money when she's trying to reconcile stuff? (laughs) Cause she's looking at the PayPal stuff and going, yeah, but you never moved it. And I don't give her access to move money. So I still have to go in and do it. Right. So I'm psyched. That's one little win. Yeah. I'll look into that. I didn't know that it even existed. Auto sweep. Sweet. It's a good it's a good thing, as Martha Stewart would say. Anything fizzly? I think it's just that as you're talking about some of yours, uh, and your th- that the orders and all that process, I'm I'm hearing it out loud and I'm like, yeah, this is gonna go on for a long time. And I have projects where we're looking at 
furnishings and accessories and I already know what it's going to be like. And I don't want that to be the reason that they don't purchase things wholesale. Like I really don't want that to be the barrier to entry. It, it would be nice if I could still build in some profitability, even if it means there's a little more headache involved with some of it. Yeah, but there's issues on retail side too. I haven't done enough of it to like know how like widespread it is, but I was looking for accessories and everything was on back order. Everything's on back order. Looking for. Um, Retailers are also saying things are in stock when they are most definitely not because they're, they're, everyone's afraid of turning away customers, but that's what's going to happen anyway. Right. So being up front means you're going to lose a customer and then you were doing the right thing and you get penalized for it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of where where our job is going to start to get a little bit harder here. I don't, I mean, it's not the, it's a big part of what we do. This is why we get paid to take on headaches for clients. So they don't have to worry about it, but they have to be okay waiting. There is no such thing as like fast turnaround. I don't well, mind. It's going to be like the name of the game is going to be hurry up, make a decision. Like when the... <laughs> Like when the proposal is presented, then it's going to be everyone needs to rush to yeah. like secure something. Totally. Yeah. Cause my contract gives them. So if I'm presenting in person, they need to tell me right then. Um, but if I present it like through Ivy something and I send it, the contract gives them up to five days, but I've been telling clients since the beginning of this, you need to look at it daily. You need to check your messages from me daily because this yeah. is a moving target. So um, I don't think that everybody's completely figured that out. So it just, yeah, kind of reinforces how much more we need to do it. Yeah. Cause the alternative is, I don't know, like, I don't know how else to modify our businesses to, to like, change our business models to accommodate this. I guess, yeah, ordering more retail items and kind of putting that back. So like almost e-design when it comes to furnishings and putting it all on the client and the retailer to deal with. Because <laughs> otherwise it doesn't totally make sense. No, but I also I think that's... do. I feel like that's also for the client who doesn't have the patience like that needs to be really like for my e-design clients I don't care I'm like this is what we looked at if you want to resource something else that looks similar you could do that on your own but I won't be doing that here for you and no big deal but for I guess I'm just thinking like I I have a lot of I have a lot of clients or not client a lot but I have a lot of interest in some clients who are in the process of moving homes so yeah, they can't wait. Like they don't. Some they don't have anything. Don't have the stuff. Yeah, so they can't just like, uh, you know, add six months to their sofa timeline and be fine. Like they don't have, you know, a backup plan. <sighs> I kind of so, feel bad, but then I kind of don't. <laughs> and that's where I want to know, like. Like I've had some upholstery, custom upholstery go in back order. Mm-hmm. I need more information. Like if I ordered from a California or local upholsterer, would we still run into the issues? Is it like the cushion foam that's on back order or is it the specific fabric of 
this manufacturer. I don't know. Oh, I see. Yeah. Are we talking about basic materials? Are we talking about like we yeah, don't like have there's all the lumber for the frame shortage. of a sofa? Yeah. That's a real like, thing a con- too. There's a concrete shortage that's happening for like a lot of landscaping um, projects. So is it something like that? Your specialty fabric that you order is Ooh. delayed. Oops, sorry. Is delayed, you know? <sighs> Girl, you having an earthquake over there? Sorry. It's my hand. <laughs> like rumbling everywhere. It's like getting mad. You're just like hitting the microphone like a <laughs> like a boxing thing. I don't know what's going on. Everything is that it's just gonna suck for a little bit here. We're gonna have to we're gonna get through it. It's gonna be okay, but we're just it's it's kind of stinky right now. And that's why we just have to go back to escapism in our TV shows that make us forget about it for a while. Yeah. Or bank transfers. Like <laughs> cool. <laughs> um I'm psyched for our guest today. I think we had a really, really good conversation and she's someone we've admired for a while yeah i like i talk about it in the episode but i really was excited to talk about her i got to meet her once in person at cabas um not this year but last year and she's just so warm and friendly and super sweet our listeners are gonna love it our guest today is veronica solomon Veronica brings over 13 years of expertise as CEO and Principal Interior Designer of the Casa Valora Interiors team. She is a design blogger and influencer and a business mentor to a community of over 4,500 interior designers worldwide. Her Jamaican heritage of staying grounded, hardworking, and dedicated to her craft not only shows in some of her colorful interiors, but also allows her to service her clients at the highest level of excellence. Hi, Veronica. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Sean. How are you guys? We are making making it. We're, our new thing is we're the masters of time now. Like we're, we are re- wrapping up the big leap. I don't know if you've read the big leap, but that's our new thing is we're like the masters we're, of our own universe and our time now. We're not <laughs> yeah, complaining about it. <laughs> Yeah, um, we're making more time for ourselves. So thanks for making time for for us to talk with you. Thank you. It's nice to take a little break sometimes and talk to friendly faces. So I love that. Thank you for inviting me on. Yeah, you've been on our list from the beginning. Like you've definitely been a mentor to me and being able to just learn from you. You're so generous with your thoughts and ideas and experiences. So we really want to share that with our audience and we're Really happy to have you here. Oh, thank you. Rebecca introduced me to your Facebook group. And then I'd realized like I've, I had seen you and seen other interviews with you and like other posts and other features. And, and then I'm like, I already know her, but it just, (laughs) at first I was, she's like, are you part of this Facebook group? And this was earlier than January of this year. And I was like, no, I have no, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, I'll add you. you, it's, she's like, you're going to like it. And I think something that stood out to me about what the things that you share is, and we can talk about it more in the episode, but it's more just like this generosity with your time, not only to help other designers, but the generosity of, with your clients of taking the time to explain things, being available, being 
open with how a process works and sort of getting rid of the mystery, whether it's in how to run the business or sharing with your clients how, how you can work with them the most effectively. Yes. I mean, we're 5,000 members strong almost now in the group. So as you know, we share so much um, in terms of resources and experiences, the good and the bad. And um, I have learned personally, and it makes me so excited to share with others because um, I've done a lot of bad stuff in my career. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've said things to clients I probably shouldn't have, or I've you know, done it the wrong way and you know, it cost me money. And as I've learned and put things in place, I thought, you know, I'm going to share this with other people so they can avoid the crazy mistakes I made. So that, that's how my group was born and it's grown. And a lot of people just, they're inspired by that. They come in and they're ready and willing to share things and talk mm -hmm. about some of their crazy client experiences too. So we can all, you know, do it the right way. And you really model that. Like, I really admire the way that you... I don't know, I, like I think I've posted before, like you can get, like get kind of mama bear on us. Like, okay. Like, come on guys. <laughs> Veronica's gonna like lay down the law right now, but everyone needs to hear it. Like, it's not in a mean way. It's just like, sometimes people need to hear the truth or like the mm -hmm. hard truth sometimes or things that need to change or be done better. Yeah. And I think that's really appreciative. I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. It, it was hard for me to do that in the beginning. Like, um, you know, I, I want everybody to like me and to love me and not think mm -hmm. I'm like laying down the law. But I care too much about, you know, my mentees and people who I know are seeking this out to just kind of let them get lost in the world of doing it the wrong way if I, if I can help them out of it. So, so yeah, I learned how being... to be a little assertive. Yeah. Yeah, you do it. In, I mean, you're never like rude or mean about it I feel like everyone feels cared for in that group and yeah I always have this thought of being nice isn't always being kind and there's a difference Ooh, yeah. so being doing the kind thing doesn't always mean you're sweet and smiley about it yeah I mean you can yeah. be warm but sometimes it's hard to hear yeah what's well, the, the, the truth right <laughs> yeah or just being told like why don't we reframe our thoughts around complaints or things that we like it's okay to open up and vent a little bit but if we're constantly dwelling on it i've appreciated where you'll add your thoughts of why don't we reframe this conversation is there a missed opportunity here is there some is there a cue we're missing that we should be catching earlier um because yeah. otherwise we're just spiraling in and take responsibility uh -huh. like for our roles in it yeah, like what can I change about what I'm doing to avoid this or make something out of it? Yeah, and it's good that you mentioned that, Sean, because for me, it's always that. Whenever something goes wrong, I always take that as an opportunity, opportunity to reevaluate and reassess and see where I allowed something to go wrong or where, where my contribution to that um, happened and um, learn from it and try to not focus on the bad, but in the solutions part of it so um so yes i'll jump in and help um reframe thoughts and perspectives and say hey you know this client may not be as bad why why not see this as an opportunity so you know that opens up the eyes of other designers too because you know the red flag thing that we see a lot going around in the groups lately mm -hmm. and like maybe it's not such a red flag Let, let's explore this and see what good we can we can get out of this totally. yeah i think i think we jumped ahead so we should probably just have you start again by uh, 
Help we me. know you so over. well, but our listeners may not. Yes, yes. Okay. Can you introduce yourself a little bit more and do a quick background? We didn't do a good job of that. Sure. So I'm Veronica Solomon. I've been in business for about 13 years. My company is called Casa Valora Interiors. And Valora is my middle name, by the way. A lot of people ask oh, me where wondering. my name comes from. And um, so let's see, uh, 13 years, went through some major struggles in the beginning, um, did not really have formal design education. I dropped out of um, design school and um, decided to kind of stay, um, get, get jobs within the industry so I could learn. And uh, lost the very first job that I got working for a home builder. Um, I wasn't even in a design capacity, but I was hoping to get into their design department. Um, when the recession hit, I lost my job. And so I started a business in 2007. And I always forget, I have to like remind myself. <laughs> and um, no money, hardly any money, just enough money to kind of launch the business. And yes, I had to kind of, we side hustle my business for a long time and um, eventually kind of just figured it out by learning and doing things on my own and making the mistakes. And from there, I started just building one by, you know, year by year, I'd see um, improvements in my business. And as I was learning, I was inspired to start teaching. So of course I got into mentoring other designers and from that, my business grew as well too. And so it's just been a passion of mine to not only do the design work and service my clients, but also to pass it along to other designers. I love I that. I mean, to come out of that time of like 2007, starting your business, and then to watch all of the like then scariness happen and to sit where you are now to feel in a much more like confident and generous and sharing place, it just speaks volume to like your drive to succeed and to make it work for you and to not give up on it. Exactly. I mean, giving up was not an option. As a single mom with two kids, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you always have to like think on your feet and figure out new ways of doing things and being creative. In fact, I, I just wrote in the group this morning that um, somebody was asking a question about marketing or something like that. And I said to them, you, you name it. Whatever you can name, I've done it. I've done every single thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honest things, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was doing drive-bys to get addresses, to send postcards to. I was doing networking locally and trying to meet people. I mean, everything I've done in my business. And so it was never, it was never in my thinking at all that this is never going to work. I mean, even when, you know, it seemed as if it was so daunting, it would never happen. I just had to think about the two kids that depended on me to make this thing work. So yes, it was always, it was always a goal of mine to get to a point where my business could um, provide for my needs and live the lifestyle that I dreamed of. And it's, not work 20 hours a day anymore. Exactly. All the people yeah. think I work all the time, which I literally don't. I, I woke up, I, I get up every morning around 9.30ish and... Um, A.M.? That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I sleep in pretty much every morning. I, you will never really see me make an appointment with even a client before 10.30 or so. Uh, sometimes <laughs> I do have to, but, um, you know, ideally I'm making appointments like 11 o'clock onwards. And so my day starts out really late. But I, I do, you know, I work until maybe about six or seven in my office and then I go home and I still do a little, little bit of work on the business itself. And for me, yeah. it's not really work because it's things that I enjoy doing, you know, like writing my right. blog or something like that. So, so I don't work all the time, but I, I, when I'm, whenever I'm working, I make it count. And yeah. your kids are older now, so they probably yes. leave you alone. They're not jumping on your bed at 6 a.m. <laughs> like mine is. 
<laughs> yeah, but you're getting your rest too. Like part of that is like, if you're fully rested and fresh to face yeah. your day with your clients, you're not, you're, yeah. you're not feeling overwhelmed or anxious the whole day because you started on the right foot and you've made it work for the way that yeah. You, yeah, you your body you probably be a morning wants person. to be well. Your body wants to be calibrated to a later time of the day, and you've yeah, like adjusted yeah. your schedule to that. Yeah, I've always that. been that way. I've always been a, a sleeping in kind of person. I'm not super like early morning, and so whenever I have to wake up early, I'm just like, oh my gosh, no. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't like to wake up early or stay up late. <laughs> like, <laughs> So you don't want to give up either side, Rebecca. Uh, <laughs> like, can't, have both, can't have it both ways. <laughs> I know. I'm like a 10 to 10 person. That's like, <laughs> that's your sweet spot. That's when you're going to create your best stuff is like fully rested and able to like cut it off and not overwhelm your brain by doing it. I mean, yeah. I do think we're, we're sold this idea or put or pressed this idea, whether it's a societal pressure or peer pressure of like, constantly being like productive like doing things equals being successful and then we've been sold this idea that oh you must have to work 70 plus hour work weeks in order to make success and i just i don't really subscribe to that and i feel like especially the entrepreneur story like i feel like that entrepreneurship story we're sold is like oh this is your whole life yeah I, and I agree with you guys. I, I do believe, though, that in the beginning, when you're trying to build a business, though, I mean, there, there has to be some sacrifices made, I think, if you really set goals and say, this is where I need to get to by this date. And really? sometimes that does require, okay, I'm going to burn the midnight oil every single night for the next year until I get this accomplished. But it should not become your life, you know? You should, have, you should make time for other things, personal things, and, you know, hobbies. For me, my hobbies are still kind of tying to my business. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I need a life, yeah. but um, so I, you know, I just, but I enjoy that stuff, though, you know. So you, whatever you do, find enjoyment in it. I, I think so. You can even find that in your work. I, I think if you just find the right formula or the things that you enjoy the most, and do that. Well, we're the lucky ones that have been able to make our jobs the thing that we love and our hobby. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think. One of the things that jumped out, like when I first met Rebecca and she was talking about the group and like something she learned from reflecting on your thoughts, Veronica, was sharing about the idea of meeting clients where they are. And can you, can you share like your ideas on that and maybe like share that with our listeners versus us just like building off of it? I think you, you, it comes up frequently. It's a common theme for you right. in the guidance you offer to designers. Right. So I build my whole brand around that actually, because um, for me, design is more of a heart thing. I, I'm doing it obviously like every other designer, I think, because I'm passionate about it. I love it. But I also truly believe that design is for anybody who seeks it out. So I had to find a way to, um, to, to make it uh, accessible to anybody without um selling myself short so so basically that started out by creating different service options for example that um would cater to the needs of say somebody who couldn't afford to hire me for a full service project but they just Mm -hmm. needed my guidance with some consulting work or just help me figure out this so so i created a bunch of different services at and I kept everything at a, I call them at a, at a high level because I, I wasn't going to say, hey, come up, 
come, come hire me with $5,000 and I'll give you a $50,000 living room. That wasn't going to happen. Okay. (laughs) What I said, what I do is say, okay, you have $5,000 to spend. Here's what we can do. You can hire me for, you know, 10 hours. I'll come in and give you some guidance, help you figure out certain things. And then you can go implement that over time. And so there you go. You didn't pay me, you know, $12,000 for design fees. So it's, to me, that's meeting people where they are. It's not for the elite. It's not necessarily for people with luxury budgets. To me, everybody has their own version of luxury, so it doesn't have to have a dollar sign associated with it. So my goal was to bring that version of luxury to anybody who genuinely sought me out for it. So, you know, I have clients who seek me out and they don't necessarily quite get it once I educate them, and therefore that person is not my client. So I, I make it a very big deal in the beginning to educate clients about what it takes to achieve what they're trying to achieve. And to me, that's what I do when I meet them where they are in whatever um, area they are in life or, you know, budget wise, or even where they are in terms of their understanding of what interior design is, because believe it or not, a lot, a lot of people don't really understand what designers do. So they really um, don't. Yeah. Until they go through a renovation on their own and they're like, Oh, (laughs) this is where I kind of use. I really could have used help to know like what's normal, what is this right? Would have just saved me money. Um, I also have heard you talk about when you do meet people where they are, or you've had like maybe a client who started with a low budget and later in life they've found you again and are ready to kind of move on up in the world and they come back to you Mm -hmm. with bigger budgets and bigger lifestyles. Oh, yes, that happens all the time. And that's why, and I say this a lot, I treat every single client who seeks me out as if they're going to spend a million dollars with me. Because sometimes, well, I've never really had a million dollar budget. So let's just mm-hmm. put that out in the universe. Yet, that next. Yeah. But, <laughs> it's coming. 20, <laughs> it's coming. End right? of 2020, 2021. It's the biggest <laughs> one yet. Like... That after 2020, right? But um, yeah, I treat them all the same way. I mean, hey, you may not have the big budget that ideally we all want, but you still have value. You still are somebody who, you know, took the time to invest in me or to seek me out. And to me, that's an honor for me to put out my shingles and say I'm opening a business and somebody then decides I'm going to hire that young woman. To me, that's what, wow. I mean, (laughs) how could I not honor that? And so I try, I don't look at, um, you know, people with small budgets or they're not ideal and say, well, no, you're not, you're kind of not good enough to work with me. You know, I try not to mm-hmm. do that unless, like I said, after I've given them the education, they're, they're resisting that or they're thinking, oh no, I don't want to spend that for something that we've really realistically talked about. That's a whole other conversation. But if they genuinely desire to work with me, uh, I'm going to make it happen as best as I can. Yeah. It's, it sounds like it's more about if they come and they have this grand idea and that just won't work with what they they can accomplish it's sharing well here's what here's what we could do within that design budget or that project budget that you have in mind and and this is what the service might look like instead of it being full service there might be fewer things i'm doing for you so you're saving money and you're going to do some more and i think rebecca and i have gone back and forth on that of if it's about getting to a certain price point it's also making sure that we're tailoring out things that maybe the client will do instead if they can't afford to keep us paying to do those things Mm -hmm. um and not being locked into a rigid uh package format so to speak where it's like well these things all have to go together it's being willing to adjust those Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And just being flexible with your clients. And for me, I'm creating unique services sometimes just for that particular client, whatever their need is, I kind of build something around it, but no matter what I do, I keep it very, very structured. So they understand what they're getting. I understand what I'm getting. And so there are no, you know, questions later on down the road, everybody knows what the deliverables are and what the payments are and all that. Yeah. But um, to your point though, um, sometimes I can even get clients to spend more money because they, they, they will come in with an idea of what they think something costs. And once you've kind of sat them down and say, I know this is really what you want. You, I know you want this really amazing spa bathroom or whatever it is. And they'll say, you know what? It's worth investing in. So that mm -hmm. conversation doesn't have to go the way where, okay, we're trying to accommodate a smaller budget. It could be, well, you know what? I'm willing to go, you know, sacrifice something or whatever to get what I really, really want. Yeah. Yeah, when they start seeing the specifics, like, oh, this is the difference between marble and ceramic yeah. tile. Right. <laughs> That's, I get it. I want marble. How can I make that happen, right? Yeah. I've, I've done that with a few clients where it's like, okay, I know money is an object, but like, just indulge for a minute. Like, if we could, like, imagine if you were ready to invest 10% more, 15% more then we could accomplish finishes like X, Y, and Z. And then sometimes that's what they need to know of like, well, what's involved with that? Like yeah. if I'm, if I'm going to spend 20% more and I'm going to get a custom cabinet, some clients will make that value decision of I'm, I'm willing to push myself out of my budget comfort zone to accomplish that. Cause you're describing it and you're showing me what's possible. And I'm sure it's going to be exquisite when it's done but they, they need your guidance to help them feel like this might be worth They don't it. know what they don't know a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, that is so yeah. true. And, and I love that you mentioned that because a big part of my, um, the, the conversations I have at the consultation, I will literally ask the client to, to, to um, just like Sean just said, kind of let's pretend budget wasn't an issue. What's the reason, what's the number one reason why you hired me, right? And really, mm -hmm. client hires us because they want things that they've never seen before, things that they don't know for themselves. They want that grand idea and grand vision that we bring to the table. And I will then say to the client, well, if you allow me to um, develop that grand vision for you, and let's kind of just imagine that budget wasn't an issue for a second, and I developed this for you and I present it to you, and then we can kind of have a conversation about where we should be with the budget from there. You know, do you really love this or can we replace this or find an alternate or something like that? And in, in so doing, I really get people to see the grand vision and they typically want the grand vision and they'll pay for it. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to still yeah. do that within reason, but you can't just go in and like show, show them a $200,000 bathroom that, that is going to be out of the realm of possibility <laughs> for them. But you have to kind of do that with a genuine care and genuine attention and really listening to what their needs are. So it has to come from a place of genuine, authentic care. Hmm. I, yeah, I'm really inspired by how you have adapted your services to different levels of clients. Sean and I get in like debates on services and different things that we put on our websites all the time, which is awesome because it helps us learn about us as individuals and how we each want our yeah. individual business to run. And every designer can have a completely different type of business in this industry, which I think is really yeah. cool. But I definitely do want to find a way to service more mid-budget clients without killing myself right and getting overwhelmed 
And it, it's a good point you're making because what I do is not for everybody. As you mentioned earlier, yeah. I don't have little kids. My, my, my younger one is 18. He's turning 19 in November. So I have the luxury of time that maybe somebody else doesn't have. So I can take on, you know, s- uh, smaller projects that you know, I can knock out in a couple of weeks or something like that. So it's not for everybody, but you, I, I think, as you said, it, it's an, in, being an entrepreneur, we can do whatever really feels right to us. Mm-hmm. Pick, pick whatever it is that works for you. So maybe you just want to cater to the luxury market and you just really want to attract those clients. That's okay too. As long as you're doing whatever you're doing, authenticity, I think it's fine. For me, I, it, it's, it's a passion of mine. It's something that appeals to me. I, I enjoy that. I, I love sitting down with that client and then getting them to see what interior design is all about and they no longer have this misinformation that they got from mm-hmm. you know television so right. um, so that drives me and so it doesn't have to drive anybody else you know right and just to be able to meet people different people and different experiences i guess i yeah i get like i don't know i want just like normal people's yeah to get a taste of design to feel empowered by um the experience but yeah, that means like I don't give full service. I don't handhold the whole ex- the whole time, but I'm still working on that. I said like my first year of business was like I was like eating from the buffet line of interior design. Like I just tried everything. Whatever there was. Just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Which a I think it's good. I think people should try try different services. I used to have, like I stopped offering color consultations altogether. So that's been taken down from my website and I no longer uh-huh. offer staging, staging services. So because after a while I just realized, you know, I just wasn't really passionate about those things. Color consultations, because for me, color is such a big deal that I don't want people just calling me in to just pick out paint colors for them. I really want it to be a mm-hmm. part of a, a, a you know an overall plan for their home and right. so when your design is so layered it's not just paint on the wall like you need it's a lot of you go do a color consultation without any other elements all you're doing is picking out neutrals and not to say neutrals are bad but i'm just like i'm not a neutral girl you know yeah. <laughs> and they no, may not, not and they and i think I'm not too, like what are you getting out of you're like yeah. creatively it's just like well here's my favorite white again or here's my favorite beige like <laughs> it's like that's not creatively getting you but if someone says i really want this awesome you know peacock colored you know peacock blue room and then your mind can't hold back from wanting to see more of it come together you're like hold on like we could use this as a huge jumping off point and if i only get to just pick a color what about patterns and textures and yeah yeah more than that so you need all the things uh, yeah i i, I kind of don't do those anymore unless it's like a client that i've worked with before and i or they're working on something that's beyond that so you know case by case i guess but in general i'm not taking any more of those clients okay that's good that's good that you're kind of you do have like things that you're still adjusting it's good to know that it's okay to still adjust even it's not like, just us <laughs> deep, you're deep into their business yeah it's a living breathing thing that we're doing here you know it's like raising a child <laughs> yeah i what would I did you have say a oh, i was gonna say ahead. i had a client who asked for something like they i created a big proposal and they were like oh we were thinking maybe not not to that level. I think they realized like the plans they wanted to accomplish were going to eat a lot more of their budget and having me go from concept to completion was going to take away from that. And I did go back. I mean, 
I went back and I said, well, this would be kind of more where it could fit. Like, here are some things that I could accomplish and get to you. And it ended up being more like an e-design option, which I haven't done tons of, but even more so now, I feel like there's more inquiries around it. And I've been adapting to that of, well, I wouldn't, I didn't order, I didn't used to want to do this or really offer this, but now I have at least, it's pressed me to create some organized thoughts around the offering and I don't see myself like you're saying is, oh, it's not really what I want to do in the future. I don't think it'll be something I want to continue to do, but at least I've got something solid around it. And then in the future, if projects move away from it, or it feels unfulfilling. I don't want to resent doing those projects. So it might be something I retire and maybe it comes back down the road. Like, I agree. I mean, like I said, you do it sometimes because e-design, a lot of designers are doing it a little bit more now because we're having to do things virtually more, more, mm-hmm. you know, instead of face-to-face. I, I still enjoy doing e-designs up to a certain point. Um, for me, though, whenever I'm sitting down with a client who's asking for e-design, I really, really educate them on this. I'm like, okay, so let's kind of get you, um, <laughs> let, let's explain what this is about. You're going to be doing all, all of the work that I was supposed to be doing that you're not paying me for. Okay. Right. Yes, I'm going to give you a plan. I'm going to even give you a shopping list. So it sounds easy up front, but here's what you're going to be doing. You have to wait for all these deliveries and you have to make sure everything's mm-hmm. assembled and placed and fluffed and whatever and damaged. And all the cardboard and styrofoam. <laughs> and... I know. I, I even yeah. tell them about the cardboard. Thank you. And yeah. sometimes once you explain that, they're like, it's probably worth another five. I'll pay you the extra 5000 to finish this out. Yeah. So, so that's kind of how that works. But on, on, on the other hand, I will have clients who want me to do full service for them and after kind of exploring all the different options and they realize they just cannot afford to pay the full fees or their profit budget won't go as far as they want it to go and they still want me to be that designer for them then I will suggest an e-design and work with them that way so Mm -hmm. a lot of my um, you know I call them my rejections because they rejected the full service but they end up working with me for e-design and to because to me again it's all about um servicing somebody's needs and 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 serving people really and they just want you to be a designer in whatever capacity that helps them do you when you do e-design do you ever source trade furniture or like order sofas or is it just all retail all retail i don't get involved with anything that i have to manage just because i you know for me there's a whole process built around selling products and it has to be profitable for me to even mess with it. And um, e-design just doesn't do that. And I just don't want to get pulled into other aspects of it. You know, I just want it to be clean. Here's what yeah. you get. And it's done. My, my, my commitment yeah. is over here, you know? Yeah. So, There's yeah. no like, oh, can you step in? This order got complicated. Yeah. You're like, no, no, it was all or nothing. <laughs> no. Like, I'm yeah. doing all of it and well, we're going to, I'm going to make money off of it or I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I always get attempted with upholstery because it's like easy. Especially easy upholstery life. actually, because upholstery can end up keeping somebody in your life forever. If you know, you're right. You're true. She's speaking the truth right now. <laughs> it's totally true. But you think like, oh, there's this huge margin that I could build into something. Right. Which is and I enticing. could get a better quality than they're going to get at Pottery Barn or whatever. Right. But yeah. the best I will say for that is to maybe do um, affiliate marketing, which I, I still don't even mess with affiliate marketing too much because I just can't be bothered with it, honestly. But, you know, that's one way to get even a small mm-hmm, percentage. But I don't even set those up. I just kind of get it out of the way and done. 
Yeah, I mean, you can still give them, you can give them the specs of like, here's the size sofa and the type of color and the style that I think is really going to work here. And then they, they're going to go, you gave them enough to get a nice result from it. For e-design, I give them an actual, I source an actual sofa for them. I source everything right. with a shopping link and like, say, click it and buy it. Go buy this now. And yeah. you don't put affiliate links in those shopping lists? I should, but I don't. <laughs> should. It's, I should, right? Even <laughs> if it just scrapes a few bucks off of each one, it's like a few oh. bucks that you wouldn't have had. But yeah. we've been, we've both, um, I think I'm a little further into experimenting it with, with e-design clients and I've been encouraging Rebecca because yeah, sometimes if they have different programs on their computer that give them other discounts, it negates our affiliate link discount and then it takes the commission away. Yeah. But I'm like, well, I wouldn't have got this anyway. So yeah. if it scrapes a few bucks from each order and I get something out of it for not having to manage the order, yeah. I'm kind of okay with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I think it's okay to do that. Like anybody listening right now, yes, yeah, set up your affiliate links. Don't, don't do what I do. I just got lazy on that end. <laughs> hey, we you have, have to get it set up. Like, it's definitely like once you get set up, I think it's a little easier, but you kind of got to, it's a yeah, whole process. Yeah, there's to a do. whole thing around it. Yeah. That might be a good episode, actually. Talk about affiliate links. Yeah. Affiliate marketing. Yeah. There's more, there's a lot that's not talked about around it and then there's a lot of noise i think that's where i have trouble in design is we're just as we're running a business and all these things come up because we've done so many roles and we're in marketing and we're in social media and we're in all of this there's so much noise and information out there that it's nice to be able to have a few trusted sources mm -hmm. um and that's kind of like the value add of having a couple credible coaches or websites or or things that you can refer back to on a blog that just make our jobs a little bit easier so we don't have to filter through so much of it right yeah that's true yeah do you think do lately there's a really popular service that you've been seeing or hearing from people veronica uh, well, I think a lot of virtual consultations are happening right now, um, you know, with, in the COVID age. <laughs> I hate to say that, but it's, it's a thing now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, virtual co consultations are big. I mean, I actually launched that. I mean, I've always had it, but I didn't really advertise it or anything. And um, I put that out there. And so, you know, especially, the, you know, I'd say probably within the last two months, I've gotten quite a few clients just wanting, hey, can I just book something with you? We'll talk through the space. We can even do like a FaceTime thing and you can see it and just get some yeah. ideas from you. So yeah, so that's been, that's been a service that um, I see a lot of designers posting up on their websites right now. Do you add any kind of like real like I know you do like I don't know if you still do like your power hour where like you would do like real-time shopping with them are you do you do any of that in your yeah, virtual uh, stuff I, I kind of cut back on that and I have everything on under just uh, my I call it my designer and call umbrella now so basically I just buy a, a block of time um, a minimum of 10 hours and then we can just use that for things like that now so I used to have that as a separate thing because the, the, the designer on call was basically geared towards people who were doing um, renovations and they were managing their entire re renovations themselves, but they kind of need a little help here and there. Um, so it was specifically for that. But now I just kind of have everything under that umbrella that's just, hey, I need some guidance with this or help me with some furniture selections for that or something like that. So, um, so yeah. How so do you I, manage... Uh, 
Uh, how do you manage your time doing designer on call? Because I played with it and I totally think I did it wrong <laughs> for me. <laughs> so I, mean, I keep like they have to sign a contract that literally says. And I, and, I, and I was a little bit of a mama bear in that one because it was just like, this is, this is absolutely not included in the service. Like you cannot like be out shopping and texting me. Of course I put it nicely worded and everything. Yeah. Everything still has to be done um, on a, a very um, appointment, very, contained, very structured. So you sit at your computer, you send me an email with pictures and everything. And they understand that they're really just getting my advice and um, opinion on something based on what I can see. I have not taken measurements myself. I've not done all of that. So they understand that they're not getting the full designer Veronica they're not getting my full design brain they're just getting bits and pieces of it when they send me information um, because they're paying less for that um, so I, I make it very very clear um, and of course you know I track time as I, as I do that in, in increments of you know five minutes but um, you have to be very very clear about what they get and what they don't get with that service do you let them just send you random emails whenever or do you kind of try to corral it into yeah, so like I have to upload, uh, there is in my, um, the CRM system that I use, they can message me in there. And so that's, I keep all those emails contained in that program, just so I'm not getting emails in my regular email. And that's where I track all the time and I put all their, here's information on this or answer questions. So, you know, because otherwise. Do you batch your time? Yeah, like when yeah. you do that? Yeah. So like, yeah. do you only go in and message like once a like week every couple spend... days or a week? So when, whenever I get an email from that client, I set aside time for that particular client. So let's say I got an email, you know, I got a message yesterday. You know, I'm, I try to make time the next day, at least the next day within 24 hours to respond to their messages. So I try to be very, um, okay. you know, uh, what's the timely, word? timely, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't, you know, because they're still paying for the service, but at the same time, the name designer on call would kind of indicate that you, you can just call me at midnight and I'll be there for you. It's not like that. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm very it's like you're not accepting texts from them and yeah. all yeah. the things that I was doing. Right. But they're prepaying. They're prepaying for that block of time. Yeah. And it's yeah. not that you're sending invoices and worrying about not being paid for it. It's I've already been paid up front, but yeah. I'm going to control. Rebecca knows I like boundaries. So I like that idea of like, I will respond within this amount of time, but it will not be through these things yeah. or group your ideas together because also there's economies of of scale or efficiencies of scale of yeah if you send me an email once every day and it's you know a 15 minute response or i could look at five emails on one day for you and get through them even faster or we could now it's like we could schedule a zoom call and okay. you can pull up your thoughts and um, that's what i want to do i want to turn it into like, like once a week like we have a call or something and like yeah. they go, but if they're doing renovations, it makes sense where they'd want to well, hit yeah. you faster because it's like my contractor wants to know what grout yeah. colors I like, and you're like, where let me get out my sample go? deck, <laughs> and I'll you've sent me pictures of your tile, and I'll pick, I'll tell you to pick between two or three grout colors, or right. that's and, the type of little stuff. Yeah, and it's 
really, and I've, I make a point to explain upfront that this is really for clients who have a pretty good handle of what they want. They're comfortable, you know, going out there and, you know, pulling things together, but they just need a second set of eyes on it. So it's really mm. not for the, you know, the person who is clueless about what they're doing. So I'm very diligent about interviewing them upfront and like really explain to me what your needs are and how you prefer to work and how comfortable you are with doing some of this yourself. Because a lot of it is really them still working. They're just, um, they're um, consulting with me just to, to approve or not approve um, their choices. So a lot of times they're making mm-hmm. their own choices. But, you know, a lot of times I'm, you know, hey, I think this is a nice sofa for this room or, you know, so I'm helping them to actually source some items. So, uh, you know, it's, but you cannot, it cannot be a client who is using that service to replace a full service. And they're like a- actively utilizing your time every single day. You, yeah. you have to kind of, you know, call them out on it. If, if that's, if that, in fact, my contract says, if I see that it's being misused, we'll have a conversation because it's not meant for that purpose. It's really meant for, you know, I'm, I'm alongside you. I'm next to you, kind of helping you and guiding you through some of your own decisions, but it's not me providing that full service um, design, uh, you know, brain. like Concept. And- yeah. You're not going to be creating construction drawings for them out right, of that yeah, 10 exactly. hours. It's like, no, <laughs> Don't, yeah. don't hire me for these like a la carte tasks for your big project. Like right. if that's the case, then let's talk about bringing on a bigger project and a bigger retainer. Mm-hmm. But you also provide different a la carte services that I was wondering like how often those turn into bigger projects like plan reviews and um Yes. So I prefer, like when I'm doing remodeling projects, um, I'm not a huge fan of big major remodeling projects because they drag out forever and there's just Mm -hmm. so many hands involved. And um, I'm very good at collaborating, but you you know how that goes when you're working with different contractors and people and all that. So I like to break it out in different phases and um, clients can choose to hire me for, you know, a couple of the phases or not. So I prefer to kind of break it out like that just mm-hmm. so they have that option because um, I prefer that option, honestly. I, I like doing the plan reviews. I like doing the material selections. And then if, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the, you know, you know managing the tradespeople part. But if they're looking for, um, you know, um, products afterwards if they're looking for furnishings as well then of course i i want to stay involved with the entire process and that's when my full service kicks in but um if it's I just see. a renovation that they need my help with i i give them that option to a la carte it yeah so these a la cards are mostly for res um for renovations where you're popping in where you feel like you can add the most value for them yeah. and then your full service is mostly on the decor and furnishing yeah. cool well, that makes sense I think it's good. It's fun to be able to come in and provide like that designer touch on materials when they're building something or like yours, like plan review. That's, that's a stage where I find that if I'm involved during some of that, or if it's like they have their architect, but they're just like, we need a designer's touch on this because usually with architects, it's like a billion can lights or like recessed lighting everywhere. And then I'm like, let's throw in some dimmers and maybe some sconces instead of all overhead airport like lighting. And that's, and even like for a lot of, that's where they're just like, thank God. Cause otherwise it would have just been this like hospital like atmosphere in my home. And I want it to feel calm in this room and this in another room. And that, that's. Yeah. Or yesterday I was on a, I went to a consult for a, just it's just a DIY consultation and they're working on this huge renovation and they were we were walking through their bathroom master bathroom and 
they had questions on finishes, like what, just some ideas on finishes for them. <laughs> like, okay, well, um, I see your plumbing fixtures and your lighting. Where, what kind of finishes are you using for your like bath towel hardware? And they're like, oh my God, we have nowhere to hang our towels. Like <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> architect didn't think about it. And yep. they... Even like plugs, like, I mean, can you put a yes. little you know, plug here? You know, we want to do some lamps. So, I mean, I think it's it's so important for, you know, um, people who are working with architects to like really bring in a designer to to take a look at those plans because we keep their lifestyle and their, the way they're going to use the home daily yeah. in mind and help them to, you know, just like Sean said, we don't want the big stadium lights in there. We want to make sure you, the light is moody or you can dim it or whatever for the different ambiance that you want. So yeah. it's so important. You don't want to hang your towels over the toilet. Like that's a big one. That's a big one. Like shower doors opening and the towels are behind the shower door. And I'm yeah. like, well, that's useless. Like, <laughs> but, but that's, it, it comes in too late. It's like, well, it we, need, we need yeah. a towel rack. So now this is our only option left versus the expertise that we can offer at different stages. It's valuable. And it might be what's striking me, Veronica, about what you're saying about like designer on call or something is that in where right now I might offer it as a standalone consultation, sometimes that two hour consult just is not, yeah. it's not enough. You can't mm -hmm. accomplish everything during that. Mm -hmm. And now you're making me think back on that. And then I changed my discovery call after reading your thoughts on why not just give people 30 minutes. Oh yes, you saw that. And and I did it because I started using Acuity and I added the like book now option because I'm like, yeah, why not be more accessible? Like what's the harm of doing more and, and being available to people when they're curious or they're on the internet late at night and I'm not available, but they could still get to me. And part of that was this discovery call of like, oh, here's 15 minutes. And yeah, a lot of them are pretty quick, but for those, some clients who just need that extra high touch experience of feeling comfortable, like, okay, you're not a crazy person. That 30 minutes, I think does give them a lot of confidence that yeah. you're a real person, you're listening. Um, yeah, and you can educate them. Yeah, the biggest thing is that you're listening. And I'm glad you said that because, you know, I mean, and I, and I don't knock anybody for 15 minutes, but I just kind of started observing <laughs> that a lot of designers are doing. And I'm like, why not 30 minutes? Because on an average, my, my calls take me about 12 to, let's say, 20 minutes or so. So, yeah. you know, I mean, what if you don't want a client to ever feel like they're they're rushing through this? Like, oh, my yeah. gosh, I only have 15 minutes. Yeah. Because they're already in a, in a kind of mindset if you're if you're a really good designer you're doing really good work and they're you know they're seeing these um luxury projects on your website they're probably gonna come into the equation with some mild feeling like i wonder if i can um, afford this designer i wonder if right. this design, you know we're on the same level so why not welcome them in and make them feel comfortable and make them feel listened to and uh, yeah, so just do the 30 minutes <laughs> i just mm -hmm. i didn't quite <laughs> understand 15 minutes but that's just me <laughs> Do I you mean, have 15 you minutes, Rebecca? Your face looks like you might have 15 <laughs> I have 15 minutes. Oh my gosh. Well, it gives I, people I usually, more time. 
I don't feel, make them feel rushed when they're on the phone with me either. So if they need, if it goes over, to talk about it, it goes over. I'm not cutting anybody off ever, yeah, but I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't want does. 30 to turn into 45. I guess is why <laughs> yeah. I'm like, but I you think, can have 15, and if it's 25, yeah. it's like, that's fine. Yeah. I think that's in the framing of I've in my framing and when they're booking it, it says most of these calls last 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. But but I'm but we have up to 30. So and and I think just even saying that is like, oh, there's some yeah. built-in generosity. And then mm-hmm. and then I'll, when we get close to that 15 20 minutes say I I'll say something like, I want to be conscious of your time or I want to just make sure like I have another if I do have another call right after I need to get to, I just let them know. I said, I want to make sure I get to all your questions. We we still have another 10 minutes and it it's not saying we only have 10 minutes. It's yeah. We yeah. still have like let's, bonus time. Yeah, let's use exactly. it if you're like bonus, right? I like, like I've that already time. set this aside for you. Like yeah. we still have ten more minutes left. If you know what's on your mind, what do you want to ask me about? And almost everybody has like one more question that they might have held on to until a consult, but it it often is a question that they go, yeah, for sure, I'm gonna have you come out now. Like they like I've had you do this, and then they're like, okay, I'm gonna book the consult now. Yeah. because I feel that much more comfortable and it, it's like that that's the conversion we're looking for in client is okay one step closer to being involved with the project that helps us pay our bills and support our lifestyle so if giving me giving up you know 30 minutes helps do that um, for me it still feels like a valuable trade I recognize that for some designers it, it may be hard mm-hmm. to lose that extra time um, especially if you're fielding a lot of phone calls right right but you know and again i think it's good to make the point that it for me it's about conversion it's not about eliminating people you know and i think sometimes that mindset goes on you know some designers have this mindset going into the phone call like well they need 15 minutes just because i'm just trying to talk to them and test them out and see if they're you know they're they're a client for me it's it's a a like they're screening yeah it's a screening exactly for me, it's like my goal is trying to convert them into being a client. And so, uh, you right. know, yes, generosity uh, in your time and just actively listening and all that plays a, such a huge role in that. Um, if I don't book them in that, because my goal is to book them for a consultation, um, because I truly believe that even after those 30 minutes, I never really get to know these clients fully until I go to the consultation. Even if they ask me off the wall questions, I've had people ask me about discounts and, um, you know, things that would be red flags and things like that and end up being some of the biggest high paying clients. So I don't eliminate people on that call unless we've kind of established that, okay, this is probably weird and we're not going to be a good fit, which never usually happens. It has to rub you really the wrong way for you to say. (laughs) Uh, it, Never it, mind. It, Wrong yeah, project. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not. Want, I'm not the right fit for this. I want any of your dollars. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, uh, so, so again, yeah, it's important to kind of have that mindset going onto the call that you know I'm really trying to bring this client into my pipeline. Why would I be trying to kick them out without getting to know them first? So uh, that's where my 30 minutes comes from, too. It's really yeah, it's and helped. I'm trying to just like get them to consultation. I have like. I love doing one-time consultations. Like that's a big part of my business. And that's mostly where I'm meeting people where they are, where, okay, we're not going to go beyond this. It's not going to work for either of us to go beyond, but I'll give you all of my Mm -hmm. thoughts and ideas in that two hours. And um, I just think it's really fun to be out in my community too. And I meet so many people that way. And you just never know who's going to refer you or 
Yeah. There's a whole, just think of one person as 10 people. Because, I mean, there's a whole referral system mm -hmm. and that can come out of that just one interaction with you, um, where if you just treat people like, oh my goodness, you, you are worthy and, you know, really want, I was looking forward to working with you, too bad we couldn't work together because of X, Y, Z, but at least they could see that you made an honest effort to work mm -hmm. with them. Yeah. So they will refer you like crazy um, because they still think you are it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I get so many yeah. referrals I've never worked with just because, you know, of one small interaction we had. And they want, and I think that's like the fun part of you're going to, you would love working with her when a friend or a family or a business, whoever it is says, yeah. oh, I'm working on it. Oh, you should have Veronica come in. Like I couldn't yeah. bring her on to my, my project or something, but I really think you would like working with her. She'd be great. Yeah. I think that removes that first layer of insecurity mm -hmm. about bringing in this stranger and design yeah. is very ambiguous. So mm -hmm. if they have that personal reference for it of someone who actually liked talking with you having you in their home, sharing ideas, and, and they can reinforce that value. It yeah. speaks way more volume than just go look at her website again. It's right, right. having someone who personally referred it is much more powerful. I, I mean, testimonial is just a key part of our it's business. such a personal, personal experience. Like we're well, in exactly. people's homes. Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I wanted to ask you a little bit about your experiences with One Room Challenge. I think that maybe how I first found you, and I always I always write this on your Instagram, <laughs> you have the best photo of any like reveal photo I've ever seen with you lounging in that bathtub. Like, it's my favorite. It's so good. Oh my goodness, yes. So, which weirdly enough, that bathroom was not done for the One Room Challenge. It was done at the oh, same time. Oh, it wasn't. Time. Well, my uh, bedroom was, and because my bedroom was it's connected to the bathroom, so I just did them both at the same time. So that right, was really okay. time. But yeah, the one room challenge has kind of become, I don't know how to explain it. I, I just have this loyalty and this, you know, strong feelings towards it. I started, you know, I think the first one I did was in 2013. And I did a little small dining room thing I had in my first studio space. And I don't even, I didn't even have professional photography of that because it was not that great. And um, <laughs> I, I just believed in the community of it. And Linda, the, the, the founder, she, she was just so generous. And I just wanted to be a part of that and building that community, you know? And so it helped, it helped me to be able to do some of the projects in my own home, even though I've never been one of those designers to like, oh, I haven't done any projects in my home. I can't decide. I hear that's way too much, but I've mm -hmm. always done my own projects. But that was just a way for me to kind of build an audience and bring people along on the journey with me. And it really didn't even start out as um, necessarily marketing until maybe the third one, I realized the marketing power of it. It was more about mm -hmm. just getting people to know who I was. And, right. um, you know, yeah, so I've done eight all together. Eight. Oh, my eight. oh my gosh. <laughs> and so two of them, I was chosen as the, the, the designer. Um, and I know you just were, you, you were one of the designer too. I love your space, by the way. Rebecca. Thank really you. Cool. And um, yeah, yeah, so the master bedroom was one um, for the, the, um, as a feature designer. And which one was it? The, I'm a laundry room. Um, oh yeah, laundry your laundry room. room. Me. I mean, people like, oh, your laundry room. I'm like, You've seen that launch of okay can we talk about something else now? you know it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean talk about right. though maximizing your space like just with oh, my <laughs> i myself was shot and i was able to get so much space out of that little tiny room it, it's still yeah it's just still, so much like glamour and like beautiful finishes and yeah, texture yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, I know. I always talk about one room challenge with like designers that I know. And um, I think people like don't see the, or working designers don't always see the opportunity of it because I'm not an influencer or I'm not a DIYer. But to me, you can do it. You don't have to be all those things to still connect and build community Mm-hmm. and just like really have fun in a space like I think it's just fun to do mm-hmm. I mean if I yeah. could do it every season I would um because it for me it's always fun I, I actually even love the whole oh my gosh am I gonna make it am I gonna make it and then yeah you make it and, it's like a game uh, show uh, yeah exactly <laughs> and for me it's like just like when I do show houses I want it to be as memorable as possible and so mm-hmm. that, this is my opportunity to go crazy with things that you know clients probably are not gonna let me do this but I'm gonna do it in the one room challenge so um so yeah it's just been all those things for me and uh, I told Linda not too long ago that yeah you, you you have me for a while I'm probably gonna be doing this until I retire from this career so so we'll see I yeah, was to do it this fall. But no, I'm not doing it this fall. <laughs> You're not doing it in fall? No, well, I was uh. thinking of it. And I'm like, nah, I don't really have a real space to do right now because I was going to my backyard. But I'm working on some other projects right now that just like my, my mind's not there. But I wish I could. You'll be back so, in the spring. Yeah. So <laughs> um, yeah. And it's like, I think in our own homes, we don't always get them photo finished. So mm-hmm. it, that's my favorite yeah. thing to like get it not only done, but just accessorized, ready for photography, done, done, done. Yep, yep. And, it's a and we can be daring. Great way to build portfolio, because yes. a lot of designers, oh. like I mentioned, they, you know, hey, I, I, you know, I don't have a big portfolio, whatever. It's such an amazing opportunity to really um, showcase your design point of view, because for me, that's how I was able to show the world, listen, I love maximalist design, I can do this, I can execute it well, and now clients are asking for it. And even when clients are, um, they're impressed by the spaces, they don't necessarily want it, but they, they're impressed with it. They're hiring me based on that. But, and that's how I had the opportunity to show, show the world. So I think yeah. it's so important to Most of my portfolio happens to be my house for one room challenges. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. Great thing. No shame in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. People are yeah. asking for the, the unique things that they see us do. And if you don't have a daring client, that's going to do those things. It's okay. You be the daring one and yeah. show them like, it's possible. We can accomplish this. We can do this. Yeah. And that's what I want to attract more like. of. So I want to put out the things on my portfolio that I want more of. And it's, they don't have to be exactly like my house, but it's just put Yeah. Putting that point of view out there that this yeah. is that's what true. a wild wallpaper can do. And <laughs> Let's try yeah, it. Fun. The funny thing is I do have clients who hire me and like, Veronica, I don't want any color or pattern or whatever. They oh say that to me and I'm like, why did you hire me? And they're like, well, I mean, I can see the execution. You obviously can do this well if you're able to make this crazy. You know what I mean? It's, they've seen this crazy room look <laughs> not crazy. So, um, so people will see that and just realize that you have to kind of know what you're doing to pull that off, you know? That's true. So, um, yeah, it really does help to push you out there. And One Room Challenge gets so many eyeballs anyway that you really want to be a part of it. Totally. And that's, Sean and I always say, that's how we met. We met through One Room Challenge and our DMs. Yep. And <laughs> it's, um, it's part of our DNA now. And I've, I have been noticing a lot of other 
designers joining? Because I feel like at the outset, it felt a lot more like design enthusiasts or hobbyists. Or, and that's still part of it. Like the blogger nature is all still there. But there are a lot of designers joining and a lot of those enthusiasts or bloggers have now developed design businesses and they're still involved in it. And I think that really speaks to the yeah. importance of the only way to get going is to just start with something. And there's never a magical time to make that project happen or do that interesting design or just, it's like, just start yeah. with one thing. Except and then for build. April and October every year. <laughs> yeah, that is a magic, that's it is ma a magic time. That's the magical yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Sean, have you signed up for the Hot Young Designers Club newsletter? Oh, no. Really? Is this you not wanting to clutter your inbox with a lot of excess junk? No, no. Let me do it. Where do I need to go? You need to go to hotyoungdesignersclub.com. Scroll down until you get to the subscribe button. Just pop in your email address and your name. All right. I'm doing it right now. Is this going to be a bunch of spam? It's not. It's actually not going to be anything until we actually get around to sending something. But we have big plans and we want to be able to send surveys to get feedback from our audience. And maybe once in a while, a special surprise or a recap. All right. I'm on it. Thank you. Back to the show. Should we ask her our advice question from our listeners? Yeah. We had a, a listener question and we feel like it, it's great for you because you're sort of an, an expert in some of this where um, I'll, I'll read you what the listener wrote and then just see what you think about it. So um, Lauren wrote that she feels, she says, I feel like I'm uniquely having issues with discovery calls. Like I know what to talk about and the point of them, but I feel like I'm way more charismatic and can lock prospective clients in during in-person consults rather than on a phone call. And she says, or maybe it's because of the pandemic and people who are reaching out now versus pre-pandemic, but the turnover or conversion rate is higher when she's doing in-person consults. Mm -hmm. She says, nine times out of 10, if I meet with a potential client in the home, they become a real client. And since I've been doing discovery calls starting in March of this year, she says, my turnover rate has been zero. So okay. I guess it's, I mean, where we, Rebecca and I kind of reflected on, are we considering this more like tire kicking? But we'd love to hear your thoughts on yeah. what yeah. she said, what she shared. Yeah, so I will say to her that it's not just her. Um, I even, you know, because I have a very um, tailored system of, you know, bringing clients in and having them book their discovery calls. But I'm still, I'm getting for the first time people who are um, probably about two or so weeks ago, I had one client that didn't even show up at all for the discovery call. Like they, I called and <laughs> the number didn't even go anywhere. At another oh, no. one who forgot, who forgot a discovery call, um, she we ended up having a conversation, but she 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 forgot that we were scheduled. So it's um I think more as people people are home right now and they're a little bit tired of the you know what they're seeing and they're ready for something to happen. And so I'm I find that I'm getting a lot more of those 
um, people were not necessarily, they're just exploring right now. They didn't mm-hmm. spend the time doing the research like my typical typical clients normally do. Uh, a few of them are coming from Instagram, which, you know, Instagram, I find that they kind of just look at the pretty pictures in your feed and they don't jump over to the website to further yeah. check you out. Um, you know, because Google continues to be my number one traffic source for clients who are serious and ready to work with me because they've spent the time exploring my website and, and understanding who I am. So with that said, I I think um, for her, she should understand it. I think it's just a time that we're in right now. But I still, once I get them on the phone, I still make it a point, bring out that charisma, translate it somehow into that phone conversation. Um, You know, some of the same questions, you know, I make it very... I'm not going to say entertaining, but I, you know, I laugh with the clients a lot when they say something that might be funny or I, um, I tell them, oh, yeah, you're, you're not the only one who's experiencing that. A lot of my clients express this to me, but we have solutions for that. Always kind of bring them back to that value that you're going to bring. Yeah. Um, I find that my, my, you know, I still, I, I get to the consultation. I'd say some, you know, I'm getting some tire kickers, like I said, but I still have a good close rate for those. So um, you just have to be able to translate that now into, into, phone conversations versus the in-person, but it's not unique to get some of those um, tire kickers right now. People are just kind of tired of their surroundings. Definitely. I mean, I think that's kind of our take on it is there were, or at least for my perspective is, yeah, I've had, I've never really had that experience, but I've always been doing some type of call before a meeting and it's never been a hundred percent of every in-person consult turns into a project. Cause I think some of it is just, mm-hmm. it may not be the perfect fit. Even if it's, they love what I could do. It may it's, I think it's less about they don't like me or they don't want to work with me after meeting me. It's just a lot of clients, they want to accomplish way more than what they want to be. And so they're like, well, we'd rather wait to start this until we can really do it right one time instead of knocking down our kitchen remodel budget in half, we would really rather keep it. We're going to need more time to prepare for it, or we're not in the place where we thought we could do all of it yet. But I've never had any, I never felt like it was just tire kickers having me out for a consult. Cause I mean, having to pay for that consult, it sort of reduces, like you hope they're going to be somewhat serious. Mm -hmm. Even if they don't want me to prepare a proposal when I'm done with the meeting, but they, they still thought it was important to pay for right. my service. Oh, yeah. So the, the tire kickers I was referring to is like, once it, once they're on the discovery call, that's where you identify the tire kickers these days. But mm-hmm. once they pay for that consultation and you're out in their homes, typically I'm closing all of those for the most part. Because, yeah. you know, again, once they've made a commitment um, and they're paying that money, they're, they're more open and they're going to listen and then you're educating them and helping them understand. And then you're going to deliver the right service to them, whether it's a full service or let's do this instead or a consultancy or something like that. You convert them in some way. Um, totally. So I'm still finding that my, my my, my closing rate is still very, very good once I get to the consultation. It's actual discovery calls that I'm finding I'm getting a lot more than normal, mm. but they're not, um, you know, getting to the next stage, which is the consultation. Yeah. And that might just so be maybe, a sign of the times. Yeah, I think it's Yeah, so maybe she needs to adjust her phone call and consultation, like, handoff, like, mm-hmm. what she's yeah. doing in each of those. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not, I mean, if she's saying that she's, um, she's always been really, really good at converting, you know, the face-to-face meetings, you know, she's, she's still kind of lean into that and make sure she's getting them to the consultations and then she can, you know, still work her magic. Sounds like she's good at yeah. what she's just keep I mean, that's it. like the selling, that's the selling point of when you tell a client during a discovery call, 
every time I go out for a consultation, I'm able to work on a project with that client. Like that's a selling point of like, if, if I want to make you feel more confident here, like if you're worried about what happens and what we're going to be able to create, Mm -hmm. I can tell you like every time I'm able to get to a client and be in their home, we can come up with some great ideas and it turns into a a project that I can help them with. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, and it might be, I mean, we've gone back and forth of, I think Rebecca and I have talked about this, like the idea of sharing more upfront mm-hmm. to help people qualify whether they're kind of in the right zone. And yeah. I'm sort of running the first part of the experiment right now, which is <laughs> I put some pricing details on my website in like a value-based pricing model to really show um, what clients or potential clients could expect. Mm-hmm. And then I think I think Rebecca's school of thought was not posting it up front yeah i send it to them once they i have an automation that once they sign up for my contact form it sends to them so i capture at least their information first i still think um personally because i have no problem with price as you can see from my website i have a lot of pricing on there for like things that i can flat fee but um as far as like get getting clients to understand what budgets are i i still think it's more of a unique important um face-to-face conversation um while i'm very comfortable like giving them ranges for things i don't know that i want to put it in a document and send it to them without talking to them and getting them to understand you know, what's behind that, those numbers. Cause you know, when it comes to money, <laughs> you know, people, they're either, you know, Hey, I'm comfortable talking about it or Hey, it's uncomfortable or awkward or, you know, I don't know. I yeah. think it still needs to be a face-to-face conversation. And um, I, I give them that range right there in person at the consultation meetings. Uh, and we talk through like what to expect from a $3,000 sofa versus a $1,500. So we talk through all those different scenarios, but so I'd rather do it in person versus mm-hmm. you know sending it out to them because they, there's that conversation doesn't happen beyond um seeing it on paper yeah that makes sense should we hop into our burning questions oh yeah this is our our new segment with our guests where we have five questions that we'll we'll ask you in kind of a quick fire style um just to like get into your brain get to know you a little bit better um and then our our first question in one sentence, how has your business changed as a result of COVID-19, Veronica? One sentence, okay. <laughs> well, okay, so I, I wouldn't say, my business hasn't changed really because it was always set up for the lean times or the times when there is difficulty in the marketplace. But I will say that I'm very much more aware of my messaging to my clients. So that's changed a little bit. So I'm very much more cautious about the things I say. But I wouldn't say it's changed because of COVID. That's awesome that you were already set up to be resilient. Yeah. (laughs) What? Okay, question number two. What have you done for professional development recently that you recommend to our listeners? Could be a book, podcast, seminar, workshop. So I've been reading a lot of books, um, business books, just not business books. Um, and I, I'm developing my own courses and lessons for mentoring. And somehow, whenever I do that, that just kind of opens my own um, sense of learning because sometimes I have to go research something to elaborate on it or, um, you know, I'm presenting other resources as part of the lesson. So 
oh, I kind of need to do a bit of research. So that's been helpful for me developing myself professionally. But I, I've been reading a couple books, Company of One, for example, because I'm still kind of a solo, do it alone. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to bring that whole mindset of um, I can be bigger in profits, but I don't have to have this huge team to be profitable, I guess. Mm, Love true. That. I'll have to check that one that. out. <laughs> yeah, Paul Jarvis. What's one design element that you've been drawn to lately? Materials or objects or finishes, mm-hmm. anything? Yeah. So this is not necessarily a design element, but it's um, shipping containers. I've been super intrigued and dying to do one as a home or as something. Mm. <laughs> like a pool house or who knows what. <laughs> Yeah, like a pool. Yeah, exactly. Like a little shed in the backyard type thing that is a living space. So I've been very, it's actually been a few years. So I really should start pursuing that. So um, yeah, I'd love to get my hands on one of them and just turn it into a nice little space. That's the spring one room challenge. There you yeah. go, backyard. <laughs> but you tend to have clients who might have a little more space. Like I'm in greater Los Angeles, where a lot of the lots for homes are like postage stamps. So yeah. If you're in your area, there may be even more clients who could bring in something like that with larger lots or more space potentially. So we have like the restrictions here where you can't do certain things yeah. you can ship in containers in your yard. That's why I haven't done it for myself because that was a big thing I was going to do a few years oh. ago. That uh. stop me from doing it. So I'd have to find a, a client out in the country somewhere who yeah. can do it. They don't have those restrictions. More, more liberal building code requirements out <laughs> yeah, exactly. there. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. <laughs> Okay, number four. If you could live in the set of any TV show or movie, which would it be? Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> the animated Ooh. Beauty and the Beast. For the books. I love the, the library. <laughs> oh, I, just, yeah. I, just, I don't know what it is about a library full of books that just, I just could stare at it all day. And so, yes, I could live in that set. <laughs> like light a fire, <laughs> sit down in a wing back. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, and I love smell. It, you know? Like I feel like there's like a smell to those old books, like in a good, yeah, musty, sure. good way. Well, that's fun. What's one non-living object that you would save from your home in a fire? Well, my books, because I have a whole collection of those. And well, two. I'd save my books, and I, if I if I could save my toilet, I would. <laughs> that's, that's, what's so good? That Wait, what's special perfect. about the toilet? <laughs> What is it? My accent toilet in my bathroom. It's an automatic toilet. And um, I walk into the bathroom and it opens for me. His name is Charlie. So I named it because it's a deserving name. It's like the robot toilets where... That sounds like maybe it is living. Oh my goodness. The only thing it's missing is like voice. It should be able to talk to me, but everything else is there. So I, I think I tried to save that. I'd find some way to unscrew it from the floor and take and save that's that. That's amazing. I feel like we are way behind the curve in in the States. Like, because I have a client right now I'm working with where they, I mean, the toilet was like the first thing they brought up at the initial consultation was we are putting the super amazing lights, warm seat warmer. Like it does the, and it has a little spray for like, oils or whatever like it does everything it does everything Everything. it's yeah yeah and they're like that was the central thing they said whatever we do with the budget this still has to make sure it fits as a line item in the budget like we we (laughs) need this it needs so much power it needs this like that was an initial conversation and i feel like 
a lot of times people do not talk about how important that is because it changes oh, yeah. the per way use, like oh yeah use out of it you get tons of use it <laughs> gives you a lot what? of a lot of safe comfort and com- like oh. confidence almost like we don't need to go too far but that's yeah let's not that but that goes into the joy that designer could bring to a client's life is you haven't lived until you have checked yeah. out this toilet like <laughs> i love that my lifestyle upgrade can can um, you share with our listeners veronica how they can work with you Okay, so um, uh, my mentoring community is veronicasolomon.design. Solomon is all O's, um, dot design. And from there, I do um, one-on-one mentoring. I do, I have courses available. Um, I do, I have products like templates that they can download. And I even have a forum. Um, it's a subscription um, site that you can join and just be a part of the conversations that I have there on a weekly, monthly basis. And um, if it's a consumer listening, they can find me at veronicasolomon.com. I see this picture of you in your bathtub. (laughs) (laughs) I blame with your glass of wine. I know, I know. She she made me do it. I was just like, isn't this weird? And she's like, no, do it, do it, do it. I think it's indulgent, and we deserve stuff like that every once in a while. It's the feeling. It's the feeling you want your clients to have. Like it's amazing. Exactly. (laughs) Oh my god. Well, thank you so much, Veronica, for your time and being here with us and joining our hot young designer crew. Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me. Like I said in the beginning, I feel so hot and young being a part of this. So thanks for inviting me. You are. And we'll have all your links in the show notes. So listeners, you can find more help from Veronica there. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for joining this meeting of the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Check out the show notes there for links to things we talked about today. We are keeping the conversation going on Instagram, so don't forget to like, comment, and follow at Hot Young Designers Club. You can find Rebecca on Instagram at Studio Plum. And you can find Sean at Renstead Interiors. That's W-R-E-N-S-T-E-D.